So, the identity of Jesus causes us to respond in worship. He becomes the highest object of our affection, our ultimate prize. And the life that he lived, the example that he sets, compels us to live a life of obedience that honors and glorifies God. Now we'll see over and over again in this gospel that Jesus is revealing his identity. He's saying that he is divine. So we think, okay, we already heard that theme. Let's get out of the theme that Jesus is divine. That's, you know, I get it. But we're preaching this gospel because this truth, this doctrine of the incarnation of Jesus is so vital and important to your spiritual health. It's so important to your understanding and your knowledge of God. Because if you rightly identify who Jesus is and know who he is, then you will rightly relate to him. Many people wrongly identify Jesus, therefore they relate to him wrongly. And that's what we see in the text over and over again. Now these people are getting so hostile because they're wrongly identifying Jesus that they're actually accusing him of having a demon. Now that's pretty serious. We had just got out of the text last week where Jesus called them sons of Satan, basically. Because you guys don't even know me. You're wrongly identifying me. But when we rightly know Jesus, we know where we stand with God. We stand in right relationship because we know he's our Savior. We know what he did on the cross. We know that now we stand righteous before him because his righteousness has been imputed to us and our filthy sins have been imputed to him on the cross. So the goal of today is that we build our confidence in the fact that Jesus was the second person of the Trinity who became flesh to die for our sins so that we could be in a personal relationship with him through faith, both individually and as a community. See, we see this in our culture every day when people wrongly relate to people that they should be honoring. So how many times do we hear, you shouldn't talk to your father like that? You shouldn't talk to your mother like that? How much more should these people have heard, you shouldn't talk to your Savior like that? You don't talk to the Messiah like that. You don't accuse him of having a demon. You don't accuse him of doing his works and his miracles through the power, by the power of Satan. You know, even, it happens to me a lot, and I told you guys a little before, but when people find out I'm a Christian or I'm a pastor, all of a sudden they start relating to me differently. If they think I'm just some unrepentant sinner that's just going with the flow, sinning, and has no remorse over it or doesn't repent about it, they will relate to me differently. I remember I was working in the factory doing my apprenticeship as an electrician, and this one guy who was working on one of the lines, he said to me, hey, come here. They had like locker rooms that were bathrooms, and he pulled me in, and he wanted to show me some inappropriate pictures, and I'm trying to talk PG. He wanted to show me some inappropriate pictures, and he got all like excited. He said, come in here, man. Like I was just another guy who was going to get caught up in that sin and not try to be holy as a Christian. So he we get in the locker room. He's like, dude, I went, I think he went to Brazil. I went to Brazil. I got these pictures. There's some beat beaches down there. And so he goes like this. And I said, hey, don't you dare show me those pictures. Don't show me those pictures. I'm a Christian. I identified myself. I said, I'm a Christian. I don't look at that stuff. The dude stopped in his socks because little did I know he was raised in church. And so he got, you know that look when people say, my mama raised me better than this? It was like, 
oh, man, I know. I haven't been going to church. I got taught. So he got all repentant. He might even cried. It's been like 10 years now. I can't remember. I know there was a few times he asked me to lay hands on him in the middle of the factory. I'm like, what's going on? He just came out of the cafe. He has me praying for him. You know, my Pentecostal brothers. And so I identify myself. So he started relating to me differently. He no longer was going to come up to me with inappropriate material and show it to me. This happened once again this summer when I, I told someone I was a pastor. I was playing golf, and these two guys jump in to make it a team of four. And the guy was just talking so crude, just so crude, and the language was disgusting. And both the third or fourth holy come up to me and said, you want to come to Hooters with us after? I said, no, I identified myself. I said, I'm a pastor. He thought I said pastor, like I was passing on the restaurant. I told you guys there's that. So halfway through the hole, I said, dude, I didn't say I was a pastor. I got a Boston accent. I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, you should have saw his whole demeanor change because I identify myself. He said, oh, my goodness. He actually said, I've been talking so nasty the last three or four holes. He related to me for the last six holes. He related to me totally different. There was no custom, no crude. Everything was respect. I'm like, bro, it's okay. But we related people differently because of their identities. And we should relate to Jesus in a certain way because he is our Savior. And this is what they are doing wrong. It's mistaken identity. They actually think that they were protecting true religion. That's an amazing part of this. It's in like people are hostile towards God, the idea of God. These are people who would be going to church every Sunday, are coming to Jesus and saying, you're blasphemous. You're doing this work through the power of Satan because they wrongly identify him. So I want you guys who, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit has awakened your heart to the identity of Jesus. That's why your life has been changed. You know that Son of God came to earth to die for your sins. We are all sinners. We can't escape that. And that's why he went to the cross. That's why his work, the work is finished because he lived a sinless life. We can be confident in that. We can go to prayer now fully confident that the Son of God died for your sins. You You don't have to live under the fair condemnation because the Son of God died for your, your sins. You have hope for the future and hope after death because of Jesus' identity, and he died for your sins. So we're going to kind of get to the end of this big confrontation between um, Jesus and the Jews over his identity. So let's turn to John 8. We're going to read verse 48 and 49 to start. It says, The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are Samaritan? And have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. What a way to continue a conversation, right? How would you guys feel if someone said to you, am I right saying that you're demon possessed? Am I right in saying that? That doesn't actually set a good tone for the conversation. Now, what we should be amazed at and what we should have no trust in is the perception of men. The rationale, the logic of men. Because these men have just been confronted with the fact that the Son of God has said to them, in harsh language, your father is the devil. So you would think the proper response would be humility, contrition, repentance. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're not seeing this right. Maybe this guy is the Son of God. But their response is so different, and it's typical of us as human beings. They say, the problem can't be us. It's got to be you. Restoration Road, I want you to hear this today. 
It is our sinful nature to always think that the problem is someone else and it's not us. That's what we do naturally. Instead of saying, okay, do I need to change something here when I'm confronted with the words of Jesus, when I'm confronted with the word of God, when I'm confronted with truth, do I say, listen, maybe I need to repent of something. Maybe the problem's not Jesus. Maybe the problem's not God. Just maybe it's me, a sinful creature. It's so important that when we're confronted with the word of God, we respond with humility. We don't say the problem is God or the problem is Jesus because it never is. He always has good intentions when he confronts us with truth. He's a loving, good shepherd, a loving father who cares for us. And it's important that we respond not like this. They respond to this text, but we respond with repentance. But instead they say, you have a demon. Now, it's one thing to say you could have been wrong. <laughs> oh, we don't agree with you. But you have a demon. Those are, that's powerful stuff. You don't walk every day and tell someone they have a demon. You've got to you know, counsel at least five priests to make that decision. They accuse the Son of God of having a demon. Now, what's unbelievable, this is totally irrational because logically, does a man with a demon heal the sick and perform miracles and, and preach forgiveness and preach love and bring honor to God with every part of his life, every breath, every minute. Nothing Jesus was doing was typical or would, would cause people to draw the conclusion that he had a demon unless you were hostile to God and you didn't know God. His actions were kind. He loved people. He healed people. Thousands of people came to hear him. It shows you the state of their heart that they said he had a demon. I want us to hear that everything Jesus did, he did under the power of the Holy Spirit. It honored God. It brought much glory to God. That was his mission. That was his fuel for life. His fuel for life was bring honor to his father. But unbelievably, Jesus responds differently. He goes to the cross for these people, which is amazing. You think if someone told you you had a demon that you'd die for them? I'm always amazed at the response of our Savior and how different it is from us. But when someone treats us bad, when someone offends us, we get hostile. We get ferocious. We either want to cut them off. We don't want to talk to them. We don't, you know, there's so many things that happen in our life. But Jesus says something different. He dies for the world so that anyone who would believe him would be saved. And from the cross, he doesn't say, you guys should have known my identity. He says, Father God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. It's an amazing heart. And we hope as followers of Jesus, we can never fully be like Jesus. But we hope to be more like him every day, to have hearts that forgive, hearts that respond to people when they're hostile and accuse us and are mean to us. We want to respond with love. So let's read on. In 1551, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So Jesus reveals to us once again that his main mission is to bring glory to God. He would reconcile many, many sinners to his father. He would show people who God was like as they looked at him. He was a, if you saw him, you saw the father. His main mission and everyone's mission in life should be to bring glory to God. See, there's a philosophy out there. I, I, I consider it a virus out there. Everyone, there's this big thing like follow your dreams. 
follow your dreams. There's some truth to that. But if your dreams take you away from your calling to bring glory to God in your life, if that's not your ultimate mission, you will waste your life and you will not find joy in God. You were made to bring glory to God. If our dreams light up with our calling, that's beautiful. But if our dreams take away from our calling to use our gifts, both individually and in the community of Christ, to bring glory to God and be on the mission of God, we've missed the mark. Many people have gone astray and got this narcissistic view of what life is all about. And therefore, they gain this dream, but... Many times they lose their soul or they, they waste their life on things that are so empty. I remember hearing Tom Brady, after he won his first Super Bowl, he said, my whole life, my mission was to win the Super Bowl. I thought this was the biggest thing. This was, I, when I got that point, I'd be the happiest man of earth. He said, I remember being up on that, that podium after he won the Super Bowl, everyone celebrating. He said, I felt so empty. I said, this is what I worked so hard for? And maybe that's why he's not bringing us to any more Super Bowls. I don't know. But sometimes we can think this thing is going to bring us fulfillment. But I'll tell you, the only thing that will bring you the ultimate fulfillment is if you give your life to serve God, to bring him glory, to bring people to Christ and be on the mission of God. And he says this powerful statement, once again, the soul, he's not just human. He says, I will... um, If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So he's always alluding this fact that he's more than human. He has the power over death. So humans don't have power over death. He's alluding to the fact that he's divine. He's told them in the past. And at the end of this text, he's going to say, basically, I am. I was preexistent. This riles them up. Nothing he says to them doesn't bother them. (laughs) Jesus is not someone who itches your ears. He's not someone who tells you, go home, and I loved everything that guy said. His actual disciples would say, man, I got a problem with that, bro. I got a problem with what you just said. Everything he said bothered religious people. And I'll get into more what religious people, how I would define that. But he says he has the power over death. And this causes them the response like this. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yes, you say, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word... He will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself to be? So we get the big question they're posing here. And we get the fact that they have no idea who Jesus is. Are you saying you're greater than Abraham and greater than the prophets? Now, Abraham was the top dog when it came to these dudes. We saw in the previous text that saying, we're children of Abraham. That's what they boasted in. No one's greater than Abraham. We talked about, in their eyes, he was the one chosen to be the father of their people, of the covenant people of God. The nations would be blessed through them. They held them in high regard with all the prophets, like Joffrey talked about the kids serving Moses and all the, all the big dogs going through that. Obviously, they didn't see that Jesus was far greater than these prophets. They didn't get the point yet. The answer is Jesus is so much greater than any person, all the prophets, that we can't even fully understand. I can sit up here and say, you know, it's, he's this much or this much. You can't even explain. 
He is God in flesh who came to die for the sins of the world. He is so far superior to Abraham and Moses and Noah and Elijah and Elisha and all the prophets that we could spend the next 30 years trying to explain how great he was and it wouldn't, we couldn't do it justice. This is God, the pre-existent one who became flesh to take, he took on the form of a man, humbled himself, sweated, bled, fought temptation, took persecution, got murdered, all so that we could be reconciled to him, rising from the get dead, defeating death. Jesus is so great, it's hard to fully explain it. And that's what he's saying to them. You guys don't get it. I'm so far superior to these guys. And you're totally, it's a case of mistaken identity. Reading on, Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. There's really two parts to this. So first of all, we've got to understand that Jesus lived to glorify the Father. That was his main mission. But also the Father was glorifying the Son, giving him the greatest name there ever was. That all things would come together in Jesus, that we would worship him, that he would be the main object of our affection, that he would be our Savior, that he would be our hero, that he would be our hope. So the Father glorified the Son. Beautiful relationship between the Trinity. But Jesus gets into the classic case of religion versus relationship, or religion versus the gospel. These people were religious people. Religious people. You saw them at every church service. You saw them at every feast. They were at the Passover. They made the proper sacrifices from the outside. They wore the right things. If you were in the community, you'd say, that's a child of God. That's one of those guys. He's a religious folk. But Jesus is telling them that they're sons of of Satan. He said, you are saying he is our God, but you don't even know him. This is heavy stuff. People who claim to know God, and Jesus is saying, you don't even know me. So many of you know Joe Vec is in the hospital this week, and he had a legendary roommate. His name was Chicky. Right away, it was unbelievable. 87-year-old Italian man, legend. Joe's yelling at him. He can't hear him. He just keeps waving off. Okay, Joe. It was, it was a fiasco in that hospital room. So on Wednesday, I go in there, Chicky has his cross on his head. You know, the ass cross. I saw people driving the street with their crosses. And then I was there another day. The, the priest came in to give him communion. He said, all right, I already have communion, but thank you for coming by. It was a nice a, a priest over here in Reading. We had a nice conversation, nice guy. So I asked him both times, I'm talking to Chicky, who has the cross on his head and is taking communion. I said, Chicky, so you believe in God? Chicky says, yeah, I believe in God, but everything else is organized. Chicky, that doesn't sound loving, Chicky. Then he goes, I, I said, it's all about Jesus, Chicky. Well, he's dead just like everyone else is going to die. I'm saying, Chicky, Chicky, you got a cross in your head and you took communion. What are you doing? You got this form of religion, but you don't, obviously don't know God. And my hope was for Chicky. I was trying to preach to him, praying for Chicky. But from the outside, people say, oh, Chicky believes in God. Who walks around with a cross on their head if they don't believe in Jesus? But Chicky did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, no. He did not. He said, communion, I don't even know if it works. I just take it. Well, that's one thing he had right. But Chicky didn't know God. And I want you guys to understand, coming to church on Sunday, even though God commands us to not forsake the gathering 
of his people and it's an important part of spiritual discipline and our spiritual health for us and our families. Just being a warm body in the seats doesn't mean we know God. Just giving money to the church doesn't mean we know God. Just doing a nice deed for somebody doesn't mean we know God. We can only know God through rightly knowing the identity of Jesus and knowing the identity of ourselves. We are sinners. He is Savior, putting our faith in him and then being in right relationship with God. It's very important. Many people are caught up in religion, and religion doesn't save. Only Jesus saves. Jesus is being confronted by religious people, I'm telling you. They'd be the people in the papers. They'd be the people with the, politi- with the politicians getting the picture. They're the people who are fighting for moral um, things, but they don't know God. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, you don't even know. You're saying he's our God, but you don't know him. Jesus says, I know him and I abide in his word. And that truth sets him free. It's all about relationship. And let's read on. Then he says, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced and he would see my day, that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So I don't want to stay too much on this one verse because we talked about it last week. But he's saying once again, you guys are acting nothing like Abraham. He would have rejoiced to see me. He looked forward to seeing the Messiah, and he would have rejoiced. He would have followed me. He would have abided in my world. In my word. Why? Because Abraham was a friend of God. He was described as a friend of God. This is all about relationship. You know, and I realize relationship is such a vital part of our lives. You know, even going to the hospital and, you know, seeing Joe and Natalie's grandmother hearing about it and, and being with my children and being with people you love, you realize that's what it's all about is relationship. It's all about loving people and caring for people and knowing people. We all have a desire to know and be known. We were made like that. And the most important relationship we have is to know God. Because all our other relationship, if we're rightly knowing God and loving God, we will rightly love and know other people. And Jesus knew God. Because he was God and because the Trinity lives in such an intimate relationship that we try to mirror in families that we can't even understand. Say, no one, the relationship between the Father and the Son and how the Son walked with the Father here on earth, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He's saying, you guys don't even know him. I know him intimately. And you guys are not of him. Powerful, heavy stuff. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Once again, you've got to realize, they, they think they're dealing with a demon-possessed guy. So you respond differently when you think the guy's demon-possessed, right? This guy's out of his mind. Oh, dude, you're not even 50 years old. You're telling us you know Abraham? They're acting like they're, they're dealing with an insane person. You know what I do appreciate? At least they understand there's only two categories. Either Jesus was the son of God or he was demon-possessed. At least they understand there's only two categories. But man, are they missing the mark? They say sarcastically, Jesus was probably around, you know, 30 to 34 years old during this time. They're saying, dude, you're not old enough. What are you talking about? Basically, you're, you're out of your mind. Do you see the response to the heart? No humility? No, I could be wrong. No question. You have a demon. Now we know you have a demon even more. You have a demon. No, just total pride. And reading, reading on, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was I am. So he answers that question. Who do you make yourself to be? 
And I've answered this question probably over 10 times already, but this is huge. Many people who follow Jesus, who say they're Christians, who go to church every Sunday, you ask them about the identity of Jesus, and they say, he wasn't God. Then you're not a Christian if you don't believe Jesus wasn't God. How do you miss that? They don't go together. If Jesus wasn't God, then there's no salvation. There's no way to know God. There's no way to bridge that big gap of our sin and God's holiness. If we wrongly identify Jesus, we can't rightly know God. And Jesus says, I am. What is he saying again? He was before Abraham. He was pre-existent. He has always been. He's the second person of the Trinity. All things were made through him. He is God. You guys got to understand, and we got to know this. Jesus was not crucified because he was a nice guy. He was not crucified because he healed people. He was not crucified because he gave good spiritual teaching. He was crucified because he said he was God. The people who claimed to be defending God crucified the Son of God because they said he was blaspheming God. Unbelievable. They said the Son of God had a demon, therefore they crucified him. That's crazy. When you think of how crazy that is, they were the church folk who put him to the tree. They were us. We were the ones saying, no, this guy's out of line. He's not who he says he was. Put him on the cross. That's us. Don't trust the perception of men. Trust the revelation of God. Live by the words of Jesus and who, has, who he has revealed he is. And he is God. I want us to know this. That we need to know these biblical truths. So how do they respond? He says, I am. That's the worst thing they could have ever said to him, to them. They pick up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. I don't know how he hid himself. Maybe slipped behind a pillar. I don't know. Maybe it was supernatural. I don't know what happened. But he got off the scene. It wasn't his time. But they didn't want to go through the proper procedure for the law. They say, pick up stones now. This dude is going down. He's saying he's God. They responded violently. Why? Because they wrongly identified Jesus. Now, by God's grace, many of us, if not all of us in here, actually all of us in here, have rightly identified who Jesus is because of the gospel, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And when that day came and you saw Jesus for who he was, that was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I remember days after I got saved just crying like, this is crazy. I thought I was just going to be another religious person. I actually believe this stuff. Like God's changing me. He's forgiven me. He's working in me. I, I want to worship him. I want to exalt him. I want to tell everyone he's the greatest. I want to tell him he's the greatest. That's God's grace to us. That we have rightly identified Jesus. There's nothing in us. There's nothing we deserve. And that's what makes it even more beautiful. This means that you're in a right standing with God. I want you guys to know that you don't have to live in condemnation. That's a ploy of the enemy. Yes, you have fallen short. Yes, I have fallen short. Yes, we could have done better. Yes, we should do better. But Christ died because he knew that we wouldn't be good enough. He knew that we would sin and your sins are forgiven. I need you to live in that truth. I need you to know that truth. You don't need to live in fear. Joe Vec said something beautiful. Joe Vec was being an evangelist to Chicky. And when Chicky left, he cried. True story. He said, Chicky, 
Because Chicky gets riled up. He was upset because what happened? He came from Italy. We should know that with a name like Chicky. And um, someone in the church, they convinced his parents that if they didn't sell their land, that they weren't going to heaven. Religious people, they bother me. So Chicky said, he was saying something just hostile, and Joe said, Chicky, and Joe meant this. Chicky, I don't live in fear. I'm not following God because I'm afraid. I love God. It's amazing. You know how, Joe. Something's pulling on me, Chicky. That's how you talk in Boston when you're 76 in Italian. Something's pulling on me. That's preaching the God's pulling on me, Chicky. And they know exactly what you mean. <laughs> That's better than scaring the scripture sometimes. No, not true. But he was saying, I have no one. To hear Joe say that meant... He got the gospel. Joe understands that we don't love God. I'm not afraid of hell. That's why I'm serving God. I'm serving God because he has loved me, and there's no greater love than loving him. It's the best thing in my life. It gives me the most hope. Sundays um, um, is my big day to gather with God's people and worship. It's my favorite time. I worship God because I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength because he has shown mercy to me. There's no fear in what we do. You don't have to follow God and love God because you're afraid. Follow him because he loves you more than you could ever know. Unbelievable. Secondly, because Jesus lived that perfect life to honor God, it compels us and it enables us to live our lives to honor God. Do your works before men that they see your good works and it glorifies your Father who is in heaven. Our works, our actions, our life, our responses, when done rightly through grace, bring glory to our Father in heaven. They honor God. When we're here worshiping him today, it honors God. Live for that. Let that be your fuel. And finally, none of us have to be religious. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, walk a certain way. It's about relationship. It's about the gospel. And in any, every relationship, it's important that you have healthy habits. So me and my wife and our marriage, we have healthy habits. We spend time with each other. We have date night. We have certain things that contribute to the health of our marriage. There are certain things in our relationship with God that you should do, not to be right with God, not so he loves you, just so you have a healthy relationship with God, so your communion is unbroken. Not your right standing, your justification before God. That's finished. You're right before God. But working through your sanctification, as it says, with trembling, there's a few things that are important. One is what you guys are doing today. Gathering with God's people corporately is what God tells us to do. And it refreshes your soul. It's food to your soul. You need to sit under the teaching of the word. You need to sing in response with God's children to the Father. You need to come together to take the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus has done with his people. That's important. You need to be part of God's mission and contribute your talents and gifts and resources to see that go forward. That's important. Secondly, you've got to rehearse the gospel daily. So many people think the gospel is just for people who are lost. The gospel just as much is for people who already know God. To know God. Because the enemy works against us, and many times if we're not rehearsing that gospel daily, we fall into condemnation, we fall into sin, we lose our hope. Got to rehearse that gospel daily. Got to pray. 
Restoration Row, we've got to pray individually. We've got to pray corporately. That's so important. And I know it's hard to pray sometimes. I don't know why prayer sometimes seems so hard. But then you get into the middle of praying, you're saying, man, this is what I was meant to be. You were chosen to be a person of prayer. We were chosen to be a people of prayer. I always, since one of the guys I really look up to said this, I always look at home groups, small groups, as a spiritual discipline. It's important to be living life with other people, to share your joys, to be carrying each other's burden, to confess sin when needed, to share meals together, to have a good time. That's important for your health and your relationship with God because some people wrongly think, okay, I'm just called to be in relationship me and God. Okay, it is you and God at times, but it's us and God. It was meant to be us and God, all of us as his children. So we have relationships with each one of our children. I have a relationship with Talia and I have a relationship with Kara. But it's not just with them. They corporately come together, both of them, and they love me and I love them. In the same way, your relationship with God is not meant to be solo. It's meant to be with a community. And so when you pray individually and pray corporately, those are huge, huge things. And reading the word of God, you've got to get that word. And you pick a book. I've been in Proverbs. Read through Proverbs. I just finished Psalms. That took a while. But Proverbs, get in there. Read a chapter a night. Just set some goals. Read a chapter a night. You'll be amazed. Get that word in you. Get that hope in you. Get that revelation of Jesus in you. It's food for your soul. It gives you hope for the day. And finally, witness. It's not just for us. We need to get this gospel out. We need to share it with people. We need to love people. We need to be witness of the identity of Jesus because there's many people who don't know. There's many people who wrongly identify Jesus. Therefore, they are not rightly in relationship with God. So let's worship God today because he sent his son Jesus who is our savior and has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can live lives honoring unto God. So let's pray.